welcome to the Divorce Coaches Academy podcast with co-founders and hosts, Tracy Callahan and Deborah Doak. Each week, we tackle another tough topic to help professional divorce coaches maximize client impact and cultivate thriving practices. We also want to spread the word about the expertise and value that certified divorce coaches bring to the table. At DCA, we are committed to ongoing learning and we value generosity among divorce coaching professionals. We believe that when one succeeds, we all succeed. Welcome back to Divorce Coaches Academy. I am Tracy and I am here with Deborah. Hi, Deborah. Good morning. Good morning. I'd like to, I'd like to announce that I showered this morning. <laughs> you looked beautiful. Thanks. Okay. So, Today, we're talking about one of Deborah's favorite topics, betrayal, betrayal, Betrayal. right? Deborah, research presented to the Senate indicated that 56% of divorce cases involve one party having an obsessive interest in pornographic websites. Not surprised. Yep. And did you know, according to the American Psychological Association, Infidelity in the United States is said to be responsible for 20 to 40% of all divorces. Not surprised. Yeah. And here's another one. A bank rate survey reports that one in four Americans keep financial secrets from their partner. Not surprised. (laughs) Yeah. Ding, ding, ding to all of them. Okay. So Love this quote from Stephen Dietz, uh, uh, an American playwright wrote, one should rather die than be betrayed. There is no deceit in death. It delivers precisely what it is promised. Betrayal, though, betrayal is the willful slaughter of hope. Mm. Slaughter. Slaughter of hope. Uh, (laughs) And if you're working in the world of divorce, chances are that a number of your clients are going to be dealing with feelings of betrayal. In this episode, we want to dig into how betrayal impacts emotions and decision making and discuss how you, you as the professional certified divorce coach can work with clients struggling with that double whammy because it is a double whammy of betrayal and divorce, right? So let's start off with some discussion about betrayal trauma. When we find out that a trusted partner, a trusted partner has hidden something and lied about it, there's some pretty wicked fallout to our nervous system. The chronic and systematic dishonesty that nearly always occurs with betrayal is a form of emotional and psychological abuse. Mm -hmm. So let's, let's just define some of these terms because they get thrown around a lot. Okay. Betrayal is a violation of a person's trust or confidence. Could also be a violation of a moral standard. Yeah. Where trauma is a disordered psychic or behavioral state resulting from severe mental or emotional stress or physical injury, okay? Trauma. Trauma. To ourselves, to our feelings, to our bodies, okay? And then, smash them all up. Then there's betrayal trauma. When the actions of another violate the trust on which a relationship was built, 
It can cause lasting changes in the areas of the brain responsible for regulating emotion, thought, and memory. Mm. Actually, actually cause change in the brain. Yeah. Right? So what are some of the common types of betrayal that we see or hear about? There's a litany of them, right? Financial, sexual affairs, emotional affairs, pornography, fantasizing, right? Engaging, lying behaviors, addictions, emotional, verbal, physical abuse, neglect and abandonment, and defamation or smear campaigns. Right. These are lots of different types of betrayal that we see on a regular, pretty regular basis. Yeah, on a pretty regular basis, right? And you mentioned the the fallout to the nervous system when this happens. And study after study has proven that betrayal trauma leaves that victim with many of the symptoms of PTSD or post-traumatic stress disorder. These can include repeated intrusive thoughts, unstable emotional regulation, out-of-body experiences, alternating between feeling numb and striking out in retaliation, inability to stop scanning for new data that might cause more distress, feeling overwhelmingly powerless and broken can cause confusion, disorientation, needing to regain self-worth by assigning blame. Mm. Assigning blame, you said. That sounds like the problem (laughs) cycle, right? So if you're not familiar with the problem cycle, we did a whole podcast episode on the problem cycle and the need to assign blame in episode 69. You can go listen to that. And hypervigilance. We're going to talk about that a little bit more. Now, many of these symptoms happen immediately after the discovery of the betrayal, but other symptoms can begin months or even years later. In one survey that I read, more than 33% of respondents reported having continued symptoms more than five years after discovery of the betrayal. That's a long time. A long time. And these symptoms can complicate the divorce process and the inherent conflict that's involved. That's what we want to talk about, especially hypervigilance. Hypervigilance is safety-seeking. Victims who've been betrayed feel unsafe, and they are on the lookout for anything else that could cause them harm. Yeah. They have a, high, a state of heightened alertness. They demonstrate behavior that aims to prevent danger, and their subconscious is constantly anticipating danger. Yeah, that catastrophic mindset. Exactly. It can be debilitating. Yes. So some of the behavioral symptoms of hypervigilance include this, checking their surroundings and finding it hard to focus on conversations, being easily startled. They might jump or scream, reacting strongly to things around them. They might even seem hostile. Mm. They find crowds or noisy environments overwhelming. Trouble getting to sleep or staying asleep, overeating or undereating. I want you to pay attention to these last three. Overanalyze situations and believe them to be worse than they are. 
overestimate chances of bad things happening to them physically or in their relationships, and being overly sensitive to people's tone or expressions, taking them personally. Mm-hmm. Those last three that I really wanted to highlight, those could really work to escalate conflict and divorce and co-parenting. Believing things are worse than they are, overestimating the chances of bad things happening, and being overly sensitive to tone and expression. Yeah. It's a hyper-vigilant state. Yes. Right? Which all three are screaming escalation and conflict. Absolutely. Screaming. Right. 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 One of the other ones you mentioned was um, striking out in retaliation. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Wanting to place blame. Yep. That emotional justice piece. Right? Yeah. Absolutely. So as divorce coaches, we need to be sensitive to the fact that clients who have experienced betrayal are processing both their betrayal trauma and the conflict stress that's inherent in divorce. So let's explore how different people respond to trauma and how they have different coaching needs. Yeah. You okay? (laughs) Tracy's got a tickle. So, I'm like, uh, sorry, we're choking on my own saliva, right? I, I think it's because that's TMI. No one needs to know that. We're just okay. going to say you're coughing. Right. Okay. okay. So, so we need to, we need to be able to respond to individuals who are experiencing this process. Right. And we know that there are four trauma responses. We're working with clients. They're engaged in betrayal. They're experiencing betrayal. They're experiencing some of these reactions. They're more than likely engaging in one of these trauma responses, right? These should not be unfamiliar to you. First one, fight, right? Assess themselves as right or perfect, right? This power and control creates safety. I need to eliminate the threat before it eliminates me. I am going to fight. Fight. Here, decision-making is rigid and close. It engages in this sort of win-lose, my way or the highway, revenge or justice thinking and engagement in that decision-making process in that trauma response of, I'm going to win. It's it, They're going to take me down. I'm going to take them down first. Okay. Here, we're working on coaching goals and supporting the client in that awareness, right? Supporting flexible thinking, looking and assessing at our bobos, right? The best of bad options. Taking sort of a holistic approach here, right? What can what can be addressed? Future focus, what's that desired outcome? And how is this engagement in this response going to support me getting closer to that? And really honoring and connecting to our best selves. Okay. That's all in that fight trauma response and some coaching opportunities to work with our clients who may be there. Okay. Yeah. And we've got the flight, right? This is the need to flee inner pain, often with some busyness or an addiction, right? So flight is not just totally escapism here, right? Often we'll see clients engaging in that flight, that busyness process, right? With the belief that perfection will make them safe and lovable. I need to run from the situation before it can hurt me. So I'm going to do all these things over here. 
Okay. Often what we see in the engagement and decision-making process is procrastination, that need for certainty, over-functioning, and analysis paralysis. We're constantly engaging in this over and over again, right? So here's some coaching goals. There's opportunities in the if-then, right? Reality testing, looking at that, developing some resiliency, touching when have you had an experience like this? How did you handle it? What worked, right? Pulling in some of that resiliency and strength. Boundary work, right? And supporting clients and developing those boundaries. Again, future focus. We love future focus, desired outcomes, supporting clients and focusing there. And again, that best self-awareness. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Then we have freeze right? People in a freeze response try to disconnect from the pain by hiding or Mm -hmm. disassociating because people are dangerous. And so safety lies in solitude. Their like motto or saying might be, if I don't do anything, the threat can't hurt me. Think of like a possum, (laughs) right? So what we see in decision-making here is avoidance. Decision-making is fear-based. There's a lack of trust and helplessness. Okay, this is all avoidant and fear-based. So coaching goals with a client in a a freeze response is something action-oriented. So small steps. Everything feels too big and too scary. So the goal is to get them in some sort of action by the smallest, smallest movement. Really digging into those fears, right? Fears require information or a plan. Really working on building their self-trust. They don't trust themselves to protect themselves. So working with them on that, making sure that they're creating a support system. Right now, they're isolating. They're creating that solitude right at the time when they need support. And then we always throw best self in there because staying in touch with best self always helps us rise up. Yeah. Yeah. At the last, what is fawn? And the fawn response is where we kind of merge ourselves with the desires of others because we believe safety requires forfeiting our own needs and our own rights, right? So this person's approach is kind of, if I can appease this other person or, you know, keep the peace, I can be safe from conflict or pain. Mm -hmm. Decision-making here looks like compliant like an accommodator, right? Passive. They might even be unaware of their own needs. They're so used to fawning. They're very conflict avoidant. This person really needs help identifying their needs. They've been fawning likely for so long. It's going to take a while for them to Mm -hmm. tune into themselves again and their own needs and their own priorities so that we can help them self advocate. With this client, it's all about building confidence and empowering them, giving them confidence and competence. Confidence and competence. To get through this process. And as always, we are going to tack on to the end, best self. 
always with the best self. Yeah. So despite your best coaching, your client who's experiencing betrayal trauma may need additional mental health support. And, and while it would be ideal if they could have time to heal and get stronger before having to make all those big divorce decisions, it really isn't always a luxury that our clients are afforded, right? So, so some signs we need to look for that the client may benefit from therapy in addition to coaching includes missing important deadlines, trouble with activities of daily living, excessive rumination, periods of flashbacks, right? Or nightmares, problems with sleep or eating, and that so it's impacting their ability to parent or work, right? So mm-hmm. it's daily living, but also their executive functioning, their ability to be able to exist as parent, as, as professional, right? So this is always a touchy area as we never want to make our clients feel broken, inadequate, or less than. So we wouldn't directly tell them that they need counseling. But there are ways to make gentle offers that are certainly permission-based, okay? And and I really encourage you to put this into your portfolio of some statements, okay? So one, it sounds like you're really struggling with X, and I don't have the skills to help you in this area. Would you like to have a conversation with someone who does? Mm, Right? Here's another one. You're going through a lot right now. In the past, I've had clients who benefited from some extra emotional support while continuing to work with me on the more practical issues of divorce. Does that sound like something you'd like to pursue? Okay. And lastly, you shared that, again, XYZ, fill in the blank, is becoming really difficult for you. Would you like to explore the idea of speaking with someone who has expertise in that area? right? Trauma victims need extra support with focus, engagement, and organization, okay? So while supporting clients and seeking the support that they need in addition to the work that we're doing, we can center our coaching sessions around helping them create scaffolding that will set them up for success, okay? So it's not either or here, okay? So Defining overall divorce goals and values, right? The the client is dealing with the betrayal and trauma, but they can also define some divorce goals that are aligned with their values, right? Identify ideal and what if outcomes. Break up those to-dos into smaller achievable segments, right? Spite size here, right? Realistic. It might be so much right now. Help them prioritize tasks effectively. Establish follow-up routines and reminders with your clients who may be in this situation where they're not necessarily thinking clearly because they're dealing with all of this betrayal trauma. Help them link current behaviors with future aspirations and purposes. Again, that future-focused desired outcome might seem really big, but supporting that connection helps them stay grounded to what they've experienced as well as where they want to go, right? And assist clients in creating a reward system or a game that they can win at, right? Yeah. yeah. Right? And because orga- so much and- loss. 
Right. And organization, right? And we talked about this on another another episode, but this the the paperwork, the emails, the documents, the deadlines, right? They need someone to help them create that organizational plan. Yeah. We can do that, even if they are going to work with a therapist too. Yeah. Yeah. We still can can work with them on this strategy and the practical side of the divorce. Yeah, that double whammy, right? Mm-hmm. So, so I I I you some of you hear me speak about this all the time that divorce is so unique in the fact that you can be ending a marriage because of such levels of betrayal or distrust, and there's so much trauma associated with it, yet you are now forced into a process where you have to make these really big decisions. And if you ask me, and it's only me, Deborah, right? But I I believe that true, true healing from betrayal trauma cannot happen during the divorce process. Why is that? I agree. Because the divorce process in itself can be re-traumatizing. Yes. Right. Or further traumatizing. So it is the the client is here working on multiple levels, right? Mm-hmm. One, being able to get organized and to be able to engage in some level of emotional regulation so that they are not right, right. overestimating, right. underestimating. Right. This is the conflict. this is the hypervigilant client who this has never been a concern before, but now because they're dealing with betrayal trauma and yeah. the hypervigilance, everything the, the level of trust is gone. And so now they don't trust anything. They believe there's hidden money. They think they sold a property. They think there's this, blah, 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 right? And so that's where we help with our alternative dispute resolution, our reality testing, all of our strategy, all of our tools can yeah. help with that. but. That thinking about the thinking so that thinking about the thinking, because as they're trying to navigate this right conflict can be escalating and escalating and escalating, which now keeping the client trapped in that problem cycle, right? Defining, redefining and placing blame for that problem over everything, which is preventing them from getting to a resolution that's realistic for them mm-hmm. in the situation so that they can, so that they can then begin to start doing some of that deeper healing work. Escalated conflict is going to escalate their trauma. It's going to extend. We know conflict makes the process take longer and cost more, all of which is going to delay their healing, delay their recovery and leave them with less resources at the end. So, so now they have financial trauma on top of betrayal trauma and divorce trauma. Yeah. Layer one more on. Just yeah. pile that on. So that's the role we play, even if they do need some additional mental health support. So we hope this was helpful today to talk through kind of the four trauma responses to give you a little bit more input on what that, what working with clients in this state of hypervigilance and trauma is like, and we hope we've given you some tools and help so that um, 
you're working a little bit more effectively with them and, and for sure share, uh, save those scripts. They're really good ones for yeah. those gentle offers yeah. when you see a client's really in trouble and really struggling. Thanks for hanging out with us. We really appreciate your time and we hope you'll join us again next week. Thanks for joining us for the Divorce Coaches Academy podcast. If you enjoyed today's show, please give us a rating on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcasting app. It helps other divorce professionals find us and add to the conversation. And don't forget to follow us on social media to be the first to know when we add new classes and events. We'll be back next week with another topic to help you maximize client impact, create a thriving business, and promote the value of professional divorce coaching.